On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the pros and cons of atheism. I was hoping that that title, Jacob, might catch somebody's attention, that here we are promoting the pros of atheism. Actually not. We'll explain when we yeah, get started. Yeah, I did catch some attention. I got some comments on that. We're going to get that uh, on the other side. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- 3-1-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, July 28th, 2022. Last program in July of 2022. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Great to be with you, Jacob. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. And um, we're glad that you're listening on the other end of the line tonight. Uh, we want to hear from you at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Join the chat room with other listeners. Dwight and Michelle are out in Ames, Iowa tonight, welcoming everyone in the chat room. So why not get in there and say hello to Dwight and Michelle and share your comments with us on the program tonight. So the pros and cons of atheism, and like I said, I think maybe some people kind of raised their eyebrows when we suggested that there are pros the atheism, we we don't believe that. Can we be per- perfectly clear that we do not believe that there's any advantage to atheism? But some people apparently do. And we found a blog, and a guy only identifies himself. In fact, he specifically refuses to give his last name. His first name is Phil, and he calls himself Phil for Humanity. Isn't that nice? And uh, he has, he's got a lot of things on his website, but one of one of the things he has a blog on his website, is titled The Pros and Cons of Atheism. So we just thought it would make a worthy discussion for our study tonight to see what this guy says and show, of course, that he's absolutely wrong to suggest that there's any upside or positive aspect of being an atheist. And we we just sort of wanted to completely shoot down what he says in that regard. Now, he... He explains that there's some downside to being an atheist, which I assume he is. I, I, I searched his his website pretty thoroughly. He, he he is a humanist, and and I think humanism and atheism are just hand in hand. Uh, he he does call himself a humanist. I don't know that he ever on his website identifies himself as an atheist, but I assume that he is. Okay. Uh, and, and we want to show that his reasoning is just completely off base. Very silly points that he makes here, um, but uh, that's what you're reduced to if you deny um, the fact that there is a God. All right. Are you going to give out his things now? We're just going to go through them. Uh, let's, let's talk first. Uh, let's look at what he calls the advantages of atheism first. We put these out to our update list earlier today, and we always try to remind you that if you're not getting our updates, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list in the, in the subject line, and, and we will do that. Uh, so we'll just read, first of all, what he calls the advantages of atheism. Number one, no antiquated dogmas. Number two, it's more logical. Number three, there's more freedom. Number four, there's more personal time. Now, 
I got to say, I, I wonder if other atheists would appreciate him sort of oversimplifying their viewpoint as he has here. But uh, let's start out, for instance. He says there are no antiquated dogmas uh, uh, that you have to deal with if you're an atheist. A- a- here's what he said specifically. Atheists do not need to follow antiquated and sometimes inconsistent dogma, including beliefs, doctrines, moralities, rules, and laws. Well, he didn't, he didn't identify what any of those antiquated dogmas are. Uh, because that just sort of, that's fluid. You know, if you don't like it, you just say it's antiquated. Uh, I'd like to know which ones he thinks are antiquated. For instance, uh, uh, the the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, Matthew uh, 7, verse 12. Is that antiquated? You know, uh, I'd like to know. Now, my guess is that he would point to some Old Testament regulations, uh, you know, uh, maybe about, uh, I don't know, the way clothing was constructed, you know, combining two different kinds of cloth, you know, and maybe he would say that that was an antiquated dogma. Uh, I think there was a reason for all the rules of the Old Testament for the people of God, but we don't live under, if if they're antiquated, if if some of those Old Testament practices are antiquated, we would explain they served a purpose in time that has now been ended. And so if you're if you're talking about anything from the Old Testament that you view as being outdated, well, we wouldn't we wouldn't feel a duty to defend those anyway. I, I, I would defend them from the standpoint of God's wisdom. And in that time and for those people in those circumstances, uh, I'm, I'm certain that they were well placed rules. We don't live under them anymore. Uh, for the last 2,000 plus years, uh, or well, almost 2,000, not, not quite 2,000 actually, almost 2,000 years we've been living under the law of Christ and there's nothing about it that's antiquated. It's, it, it's timelessly perfect. But in his mind, the law of Christ is antiquated in areas that cause friction. I would, I would venture a guess that rule of the uh, teachings of Christ around marriage and divorce are antiquated in this author's mind. I would imagine that the Bible's teaching about homosexuality is antiquated. I would imagine that the instructions about gender roles are antiquated in this uh, author's mind. Things that are counterculture, things that are inconvenient, things that go against what I want to do, it's very easy to just sort of write those off and say they're antiquated. Those are are old-fashioned teachings that aren't applicable anymore. Well, I think you're right, but let, let's take, for instance, uh, God's rules that condemn homosexuality. Well, homosexuality has been proven to be a, a, a detrimental lifestyle. Uh, uh, Tim LaHaye wrote years ago, he wrote a book called The Unhappy Gays. Uh, and, and he just documented the fact that that lifestyle does not bring fulfillment or satisfaction. It brings a lot of heartache and physical uh, complications in many instances. And so, you know, is is it an antiquated rule that God says, condemns homosexuality? Or is it just that we don't want to live by that rule? I, I, I would guess that's the case. So, but we need to be very clear that the Bible is not antiquated because that is being 
sung so loud and so often in our society today. And sadly, it's being, uh, that banner is being flown by those who claim to be religious as well in the acceptance of unlawful divorce, in the acceptance of homosexuality, in the acceptance of gender roles. Religious people today are saying those are antiquated. Those were for first century times. Times are different today. The, the, the Bible is not pertinent today. Religious people today Remember are when that. we interviewed the Presbyterian preacher yeah. from Nashville who said on the subject of homosexuality, he knew more than Jesus. Right, because he's so enlightened now. Yeah, and so yeah. It's antiquated. That's yeah. what religious people today are saying. And we've got to be firm on the foundation that God's word is never antiquated. It is for all times. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so, uh, again, his that's his opinion. That's his view. Oh, boy, I didn't bring. I, I thought I had. I had one email from Dwight, and I, le- I must have left it on the we'll printer. Get it. We'll, we'll get, get it. it. We'll get it uh, during our first break. Uh, he had some comments along that line. So, again, we want to deny that the Scripture or that the Bible or that belief in God is an antiquated kind of thing because he says there are dogmas that atheists are, are, don't have to follow, and that, that's an advantage to them. Actually, I think it's a disadvantage because God's law protects us from a lot of bad things in life. Our lives, and, and again, I, I, I don't imagine that you'd be able to persuade him of this, but... Uh, Living the godly life is advantageous for us now and in eternity. You remember what Paul said to Timothy uh, in First uh, uh, Timothy chapter four, verse eight: "Bodily exercise, bodily exercise, profitable little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come." Paul said. Living the godly life is good for us now. And, of course, the hope of heaven. All right. Uh, And let's, uh, again, make sure that we understand that it's not antiquated. And this idea, I think, also undermining this is that, well, the Bible is just a book of stuffy rules that just sort of clutter up your life, make your life miserable, sort of stand in the way of you living a fulfilling life in the 21st century. And, And atheists don't have to adhere to those sort of things that get in your way yeah we got to be careful that we don't feel that way either because i think sometimes christians start to feel that way ah, the bible just sort of gets in my way yeah i i, I feel inhibited because yeah. i can't do what i want if do. i didn't know about all that see how much better my life would be yeah. no it's not antiquated and it is relevant to today and it makes your life the best that it can I, be today. that's the key that i don't think and i think there's some christians who don't acknowledge it our life is better. Our life is enriched by being Christians and living by the law of God. So, you know what? We sort of like we sort of crack open our Bible just sort of halfway and sort of don't we sort of squint because we don't want to see what's in the in there because it might get in the way of our life. If this is from the all knowing creator who loves us and wants what's best for us and knows us best, if this is his instruction for how to live that life. We ought to be pouring over every page, trying to find everything we can get out of the Bible, rather than look, coming to it hap- or sort of hesitantly and reluctantly, like, oh, I don't uh, really uh, want to learn all about uh, this. What's the least I can do? Yeah. We should want to do everything God wants us to do because he has put a plan together for our ultimate good, and therefore the, the more completely we follow it, the better off we are. Yeah. All right. 
All right. Take a break. Let's take a break. Uh, and when we get back, I want to attack his notion that one of the advantages of being an atheist is that you're more logical. Brian in California says atheists take heart in humanists such as Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche uh, whose view of God was to make him myth. Truth is immutable and unchangeable. Scripture is God-breathed. We cannot substitute it for anything else other than heaven sent. I think you're right, Brian. Thank you, Thank Brian. You're right. All right, we're going to break. We'll go back, get back. We're talking about the fact that they're more logical. Well, we'll see about that. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Here's a quick thought. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Did you hear that? This proverb tells us to protect our hearts with all diligence. That means it's got to be intentional, purposeful, and with all diligence. Remember, from your heart flow the springs of life. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Try and fail, but don't fail to try. It's been observed that many people use mighty thin thread when mending their ways. The empty tomb proves Christianity. The empty pew denies it. No matter how long you nurse a grudge, it won't get better. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, talking about uh, the uh, article that was written by uh, someone who claims to be a humanist, probably an atheist, the pros and cons of atheism. Yeah, Phil for Humanity. If you got our email update, we gave you the link to his website. Uh, and and I, don't, I don't endorse it or commend it in any way, but if you want to get a firsthand look at what he's saying, uh, you can go to his website, which is uh, listed in our up to email update. Uh, I, we, we got Dwight's email now. Uh, and Dwight says, concerning antiquated dogma, the problem is people are not wanting to follow rules. They think religion or God to be old-fashioned and outdated. This explains partly why society embraces the LGBTQ. You know, they keep adding letters. I can't keep up with it. Uh, God's old-fashioned rules of marriage mean nothing. I think I think Dwight is saying the same thing we were trying to say there, that the reason they want to say the the rules, uh, atheists are better off, they don't have to follow these old-fashioned rules, is because those old-fashioned rules really inhibit them, and they don't like it. Yep. All right. Let's talk about the, the next thing that Phil for Humanity said, that one of the advantages of being an atheist is that you can, you can be more logical. He says, atheism tends to be much more logical with their beliefs and morality. Thus, atheists are more willing to reevaluate, to change their beliefs and morality with respects to new information, knowledge, and experiences. Uh, so, get this. We can change our beliefs, and our, our, our beliefs and our morality are fluid. As, as new information comes along, new knowledge, new experiences avail themselves to us, we can reevaluate and change our beliefs and our morality. But you get the idea, that's kind of a moving target, right? Uh, and, and actually, it's, it's, it's a, a very uh, discouraging proposition because all this stuff changes all the time, you know. So if... Uh, for instance, uh, 
You know, they say George Washington died when he was sick, not because of the sickness that he had, but he died because the the medical expertise of the time said you should bleed people. You should, you should let their blood out. If you let their blood out, then the blood will refresh in the body and they'll get well. And so they actually bled George Washington to death, is my understanding, historically. But that was the considered scientific opinion of the day. That was that was what was right. Well, how do how does an atheist not think that science is going to pass by what they're believing right now and come to something else later? And if I base my my beliefs, my morality upon what they're telling me right now. I'm basing it upon a, fla- a flawed foundation. Well, it gets us to this point where there's really no truth because everything is fluid and dynamic and it changes with the wind. And, well, that sort of describes the postmodern era that we live in. There is no absolute. You can't stand firm on anything and say this is right and this is wrong because, well, you'll just re- reevaluate that tomorrow when you come up with something else. There's no absolutes. Yeah. I would very much challenge his statements where he says that atheism tends to be much more logical. Well, if an atheist, of course, has to believe in the theory of evolution. Well, how logical is that? The theory of, uh, of evolution is totally illogical. And, and violates natural law. It's anti-scientific. Yeah. I mean, uh, so... I, I, I just don't think that he's got a leg to stand on when he says the atheists are being more logical. Actually, true religion, the true religion of our Lord is more logical. Now, one of the things we're fighting here, Jacob, is there's a lot of perversions in religion as well. And so we, when we speak in defense of true religion, we're not defending all the perversions of religions that have existed and continue to exist in the world today. Right, right. We're talking about the pure religion, and we're not discussing whose that is, what that is, just religion in general tonight. Um, Dwight and Michelle say, as for more logical, this is just one man's opinion. Looking at nature itself is proof to show there is a God in heaven, a God who created nature to be so perfect and intricate on everything is way more logical. Uh, I've yet to see the advantage of not believing in God. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I've shared with a number of people. Uh, recently, um, I had cataract surgery. And uh, so I did some reading and studying about the human eye. And I wanted to know what the doctor was going to do when, when I had this cataract surgery. You know? Were you trying to see if you could do it yourself? Or were you trying to study it? Yeah, I was, thinking, I was trying to think if I sharpened the knife real sharp, yeah. if I could get by with that. Save a buck or two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I came away with at least two main thoughts. One was just incredible. Whoever figured out that they could do that surgery. I mean, of course, there are a lot of amazing surgeries being done, and and uh, it's pretty incredible. But secondly, just when you consider the, the workings of the human eye, and then you want to tell me that this just came about by pure accident just random chance evolution you want you want me to believe that that's not logical that's totally not you just and we're just talking about one simple part of 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 god's enormous creation the human eye and and who's more logical to believe that there was a all supreme divine designer an intelligent designer or to believe it happened by chance which is more logical 
Yeah. And they're finding these complexities what they determine is way early in the fossil record that where they would say, well, this was very early in the evolutionary time frame. They're finding these complexities there as far back as they go. Yeah. Not like these complexities developed over millions of years. They're finding complexity a lot earlier maybe than they had wanted to find them, but showing that this idea of evolution is not plausible. If you're going to be logical, if you're going to be realistic, take God out of the picture. Evolution doesn't work one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, uh, I think we've referenced it before on the Virgin Bible study. Uh, uh, an author named Michael Behe wrote a book called Darwin's Black Box, and in it he describes something. He he and others have picked up on this be, both before and after his book, but the idea of intelligent design, and he he sort of formulated a, a an argument called irreducible complexity. So the human eye. All the working components of that eye had to come together simultaneously. One part couldn't evolve and wait around for several million years until uh, an associated part right. evolved. Right. It all had to come together simultaneously. And that's what he was referring to as irreducible complexity. Logically, evolution can't answer that. And the fossil record doesn't support evolution. The, the idea that there's a single missing link is is just ludicrousy, ludicrousy. Because there would be not just one link; there would be a, a full range of of uh, of links between, for instance, man and ape. Oh yeah, you, they ought to be everywhere. You ought to be able to find them because all. Because it happened there. over millions of years. Yeah. And there were gradual changes. It's not just like we made, we jumped from ape to man and there was one generation that was this missing link. No, this was over millions of years. There should be fossils that were being dropped everywhere. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to dig a hole to plant a tree in your backyard and not find one yeah. if, if evolution occurred. It just is not supported. So it's not you're, logical. You're, so the idea that we're not logical. So and evolutionists have tried to answer that because it makes – that's what you just said is logical. They can't be logical. So they have this thing called punctuated equilibrium. So evolution made just big quantum jumps, and it stay, then it stayed the same for a long time. And then it made just a great quantum jump so that the big changes happened so quickly there wasn't time for, for fossils. Sounds well, like I'm recreating, making up the rules as I play yeah, the game here. Yeah, exactly right. We're yeah. going to run out of time if we don't move on. Uh, again, we deny that there's an advantage of logic atheism there's not number three he says atheist it's it's an advantage of atheism now he's going to get to the heart of the matter here jacob he says atheists have more freedom uh similarly to a previous advantage stated atheism has more freedom of thought and action even when they are counterculture this is because most religions tend to limit freedom of thought and action to better control their followers Furthermore, without fear of punishment, especially eternal punishment from a higher power, atheists are even more freely able to explore the, their choices in life. So, again, I think, and, and, he, and he, he says this is, he's already sort of talked about this, but, but I think he's admitting what we've already talked about, what they, what they really want, what they see as an advantage. They can do what they want. They can do as they please. They don't have to answer to anybody. They're free to do as they desire. Yeah, and uh, that freedom is their downfall, uh, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, I, uh, a verse that we I think comes to mind here is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse twenty-four. God said to the 
Israelites concerning the law of Moses. Now, we understand we don't live under that law, but relative to that law, the statement was made, the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. That's the nature of God. When God has given his law in the various dispensations of time, he's given his rules for the good of man, not for the harm of man, but live by his rules and you will be blessed. So, that, so in other words, you could they, uh, the uh, atheist has more freedom to mess up their life. That's right. That's they all have more freedom to make decisions that will cause heartache and harm to their life. They can do that uh, without any remorse, without any conscience. They can do whatever they want, but what they're doing is harming themselves. Dwight and Michelle say, more freedom, says the man of worldliness. We all have 24 hours of the day to do with as we please. Why waste our time being worldly? We live in the world, and we can be more helpful to others by being more godly people than a worldly person. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, to all of this that he said, you know, it's been proven over and over again statistically. It's very easy to prove statistically that people who profess religion, people who are not atheists, are far more inclined to do good for others. Okay. Do you remember when we uh, uh, interviewed the, 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 a well-known atheist, Dan Barker? Mm-hmm. This has been several years ago, and it's still in our archives. You know, one of the questions we asked him that he wasn't able to answer is, where, how if, if we just evolved, and if that's the logical explanation for our existence, how do you explain the fact that we take care of our sick people, we take care of our elderly, we take care of the infirm? Why don't we just kill them off? Because they're not doing any good for our evolutionary family tree. He couldn't answer that question. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, because there is no standard. We're going to talk about that here, I think, as we go along. Um, Real quickly, let's get, get this get last point. point. Yep. His last point, And I think, again, I think a lot of atheists probably be disappointed in the arguments that he has set forth. He, he finally says the, the, the great advantage of atheism is more personal time. Atheists are not required to attend religious ceremonies, especially if they are periodically, if they are periodic and long. This includes durations of prayers and time of worship, such as uh, Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday. Oh, brother. I think he's making a true confession here when he says, really, what it's about is my freedom and my personal time. I do not want to have to do. I don't want to have to go to church on Sunday. I want to be able to sleep in on Sunday. And being an atheist allows me to have my free time. All right. You get your Sunday morning. All right. Love it. Love but I, I, I think those last two points, really, he exposes himself. He is an atheist because he, he wants to be free to do what he wants, when he wants, and he doesn't want to have any rules. Dwight and Michelle say, my time and your time was given to us by God. Whether anyone wants to believe that or not, we should use it for him. When I think of someone mentioning more personal time for themselves, it reminds me of a selfish person who cares more more of what they want instead of what others need. Exactly right. Okay. All right. So that's one side. That's what he said were the advantages or the pros of being an atheist. That's really, I, would you agree that those are really weak arguments? I mean, I think exceedingly weak arguments. I think uh, what he basically said four different ways was, I just get to do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. The, and... But but what we've, I think, tried to explain is when I do what I want to do, I usually mess up and hurt myself. Yep. And when I do what God wants me to do, 
My life is blessed and enriched. All right. We'll get a break, get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we're going to now talk about what he views as the disadvantages. You want to be here for that. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Have you heard of Murphy's Law? There are many versions, but the basic notion of Murphy's Law is this. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Any Saturday mechanic, weekend repairman, or home-owning handyman will have to admit that Murphy, whoever he was, had a pretty good insight. Skinned knuckles, stripped threads, broken parts, missing pieces, and malfunctioning equipment are a continuing testimony to the apparent accuracy of Murphy's pessimistic view. However, there's one realm where this law is clearly not true. Paul wrote, quote, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, Romans 8, verse 28. This is a wonderful promise and a great blessing. But note, it is only for them that love God. And we know that love for God must be demonstrated by humble obedience. Quote, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, 1 John 5, verse 8. Those who will not fully surrender to him need not expect this outcome in their lives. But wait. Are we to believe that the life of a faithful Christian will be all roses, no troubles? No. Paul writes again, quote, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Persecution is never a pleasant thing, but those who serve God are told to expect it. So how can we reconcile these two statements from Paul? The answer lies in our perspective, whether we view things temporarily or eternally. Only when we are able to see the events of this life in relation to death, judgment, and eternity will we be ready to agree that, quote, all things work together for good. Ultimately, anything that makes us more like God wants us to be, anything that prepares us for a home in heaven, is a good thing. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. To remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. And, uh, Kyle, you get your 30 seconds now. Squeeze it in here. Yeah, which you can, uh, there's links that you can go to our the YouTube uh, for our Bible classes and our church uh, worship uh, stream it's a college view live stream so a lot of good studies on there uh not this past wednesday uh if you tried to tune in so we were and we're doing some remodeling in our auditorium so wasn't there last wednesday may not be there i doubt this sunday either so it's probably gonna be a little bit of a time well we're gonna be in the auditorium sunday uh, so we may have a stream on yeah we might be able to stream sunday and but uh, and they're telling me that hopefully by next wednesday night we'll be our remodeling will be done so we'll see yeah Messing with your stream, Kyle. Oh, well, that's just nobody. Open. Nobody messes with your stream. <laughs> no, it's huh? all good. All right, we're uh, talking about the pros and cons of atheism tonight on the program, and um, now to the disadvantages. The so cons. this is this is a blog by a guy named Phil for Humanity. If you get our email update list, I gave you the link to his website. Uh, don't endorse it. I don't even recommend it. Uh, it's obviously got a lot of foolishness on it, but you can read uh, some of his random musings which are are i think illogical but so we talked about what he thought was the advantages of being an atheist but he acknowledges that there are some disadvantages okay number one he says self-defining morality unlike religions that provide explicit morality 
Atheists can continuously continuously explore, redefine their individual morality, and quite. And, and, but it it might be possible that uh, you won't have a satisfactory outcome. He he said. So he said, you know, he had already said earlier, we uh, we can change our rules. And now he's saying that can be a problem because as we change our rules, we might come up with an unsatisfactory set of rules. And that could be a downside. I would agree with him about that. Uh, so my morality says I'm, I'm, I'm an atheist. And I can change my morality. And right now my morality says I can steal your car. <laughs> and, and it's okay. That's my rules. I set the rules. I, I live by my own rules. And my rule says that I can steal your car. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's all breaking down here. It's, yeah. It seems really good and fun at the start. But now he's saying, you know what? That might not work out the way that we wanted it to. I thought it was rather telling that he said the, 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 this self-defined morality, the, the, the potential is that it will not have a satisfactory outcome as we continue to change the rules. Uh, you know, if we went back to when we were kids playing sandlot baseball, you know, we all remember one. You know, a lot of times when kids are playing a ball game, they get in an argument. You're changing the rules in the middle of the game. You can't change yeah. the rules in the middle of the game. Yeah. Well, that's what these people are doing. They change the rules yeah. in the middle of the game. All right. Doesn't sound like a very comfortable place to be. Uh, yeah. Um, this idea that well, morals are fluid. There are no absolutes. Yeah, that sort of leaves you in a bad spot Yeah, because there are no absolutes. Yeah. All right. All right. So that was that was his first disadvantage. And I think he's right. I think that is a real disadvantage. Number two, no destiny means responsibility. And I thought this was a weird point the way he made it. He says, without religion, there is not the possibility of a predetermined destiny. Therefore, individuals are responsible for their own actions and future. Mm -hmm. Well, that's kind of weird because he's got a false view of all religious uh, understanding. There are some people in the in the religious world who believe that we are just working to a predetermined destiny. We're robots. That that we are in everything's so foreordained, predestined. Yeah. Well, that's a misunderstanding of the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. And so he says religious people have this advantage. They're just going going along like pre-programmed, as you say, robots, whereas atheists have to take the responsibility for their own actions and their future. Well, actually, if we, if, for all who understand the Bible correctly, we all are individually responsible for our actions and our future. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are so many statements in the, in the Scripture talking about individual accountability. First Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. Oh, if I can get my pages to turn, uh, no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Second Corinthians five, verse ten. Uh, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Yeah. So the you know the, the scriptures teach individual responsibility and accountability. They do not. The scriptures do not teach that we have a predetermined destiny. 
Yes. Now, the scriptures do talk about predestination. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 is one of those places you'll find the word predestined. Uh, we believe in scriptural predestination. We do not believe in it as the Calvinists teach and other religious groups do teach. Uh, but uh, lest anyone be listening to this and say, oh, they're discounting what the Bible teaches. No, we believe in what the Bible teaches about predestination. But it is not, as this gentleman seems to think that we believe, that everything is predestined in our life by God. Well, the scriptures talk about things predestined. In other words, God predestined a plan for the salvation of mankind, and he predestined that all who would submit to that plan would would be saved. This is all part of God's plan. Yeah, but he did not individually predestine people to as this guy says, predetermined destinies. Yep, yep, okay. All right, so uh, again, I think he exposes his ignorance of, of what the Bible really teaches here, and actually, he's right. We are responsible. He sees it as a downside of being an atheist. Actually, it's, it's, a, it's a real part of, of our human existence. We are individually responsible for our actions at our future. All right. All right, we got any comments here? No. Oh, yeah, here, oh, I've been missing them in the chat room. Uh, Brian in California, the atheists see only uh, the here and now. I'm reminded of what Paul said about those who hope, who have hope in Christ only in this life, most pitied, no expectation of anything beyond the grave, referencing 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, in the next point here, uh, maybe after uh, our break, but he references 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Yeah, um, I think that's true. If, you know, I've, I've often thought, I, I don't know how a, an atheist, how does he go on? So I, I get sick, I lose my job, the car breaks down, uh, my family's a wreck. Why do I even continue this? Why don't I just end it? You know, what's the reason to keep going? Well, the other thing about it is it's fairly reasonable to think that the way that things are right now, if the, if you are an atheist and you have no hope, the way things are today are the best there'll ever be because you're going to continue to get old. Your body is going to continue to decline. Things are going to get worse from here. It's not going to ever be any better than it is today. Yeah. So why do you continue it? I, I've never really understood that. Yeah. Most pitied, as uh, as Brian reminds us of Paul's writing there in First yeah. Corinthians 15, verse 19. Yeah. Uh, let's grab a, a, his third point, a disadvantage of being atheist, he says, is meaning and motivation. Religious people sometimes believe that their lives have higher purpose and meaning, thus providing motivation for their lives. On the other hand, some atheists must discover their motivation and purpose, while other atheists only attempt to find meaning in their lives without success. And other atheists might not even try to find meaning uh, for their lives. Uh, you know that, if you think about it, he, he, he's, so he's being pretty honest here when he talks about the downsides of being an atheist. He says atheists must discover motivation and purpose. Some uh, never are never successful in doing so. Others don't even try to do so. What's the meaning of life? You know, that's one of the basic questions that man has always sought the answer for, and the Bible has always given the answer. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Solomon, who experimented with everything, 
said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Yeah. Solomon, who I want to tell you, Solomon could experiment with a whole lot more things than any then, of the then atheists. Phil for humanity. Than could. Phil or any other atheist who lives yeah. today. Yeah. Solomon, who was very potentially the richest man who ever lived in the history of time, and could use his wealth to pursue anything that his heart desired, and he couldn't find any satisfaction in any of that, and came to the conclusion that a real, uh, the, uh, the whole duty of man, fear God, keep his commandments. Look at the celebrities in our society today who have it all. They have fame, they have fortune, they have a life of ease. Their lives are miserable. Oh, and many absolutely. many lose their lives very early to drugs and, and other Suicide. destructive behaviors yeah. because there is no meaning without God. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a disadvantage. He nailed this one. Yeah, exactly right. I, I, I think it's interesting that he is not hiding what he views as disadvantages. And he's making the points that we would make. Here's what, here's what you miss if you pursue atheism. Here's what you're missing out on. You have no real motivation or meaning for life. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Let's grab our last break, Jacob. When we come back, we've got three points left, uh, dis- what he sees as disadvantages of atheism. All right. Don't go anywhere. Questions at collegeu.com. Hey, give us a call, 931-381-4567. We're back after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Are you sure that the Bible said something, but you just don't know where? Is your salvation based on a passage that you know is in the Bible, but when asked, you couldn't find it? Do you do things in worship, but you couldn't turn to a book, chapter, and verse to show that God wants you to do it? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you may be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to overcoming Bible Deficit Disorder in the metro area by teaching the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. You are invited to attend our worship services on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Join us in the fight against Bible Deficit Disorder. Attend one of our services for a healthy dose of the Bible. That's at the College View Church of Christ. Please don't give in to Bible Deficit Disorder. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A record high 50% of Americans rate the overall state of moral values in the U.S. as poor. And another 37% say it's only fair. Just 1% think the state of moral values in America is excellent, and only 12% think it is good. That information is via gallup.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 9, verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight as we go to the top of the hour looking at advantages and disadvantages, pros and cons of atheism, according to Phil for Humanity, who appears to maybe lean in the direction of atheism here. Uh, Dwight and Michelle in their email says, I will just have to say that the biggest disadvantage of atheism is have no hope. No hope in God, no hope in the afterlife. They have no godly direction, so they have to figure it out, figure things out for themselves. The why and how is all on them. The only support group they have is a, is worldly. Statistics I have seen show suicide rates are lower in religious countries than in secular ones. It is thought that when one has no hope, that is a god to turn to, they have no desire to live. I have to feel sorry for people who are atheists because once life is over, that's it for them. So they think. Why not have faith in a God that gives us hope and promise for a better life to come? 
It is just so that they can live carefree while they are here on earth. Or is it just so they can live carefree? I think you're exactly right, Dwight. And I don't, you know, I think there are some atheists who maybe not motivated by that necessarily. They're motivated by by the uh, confidence and pride in science, that they think science has things figured out. They're motivated by to be atheist by the culture and society that they're from. You know, there there are lots of regions of the world where atheism is promoted by the government, and uh, maybe we've grown up with that and we haven't challenged that and maybe taken a look at what is the most reasonable, is faith in God or faith in no God more reasonable. There are a lot of motivations. Certainly, I think in this country, a lot of motivation based upon just I want to live like I want to live. Yeah, yeah. I think exactly right. Okay. All right. He, uh, number four, a disadvantage that, that he lists, a lack of belonging and tradition. Atheism, atheism can, but not necessarily, mean the lack of belonging to a support group and tradition. He says, there are plenty of non-religious groups that atheists can join, and atheists can still partake in religious traditions such as Christmas, but atheism does not necessarily mean the lack of belonging or traditions, but he says it, it often results that way. So, you know, uh, we've talked about many times, we see God's eternal wisdom in the design for the church that we have, that we have people who share our same convictions and and that we can draw strength from one another that that we're not all you know one of the worst feelings uh, in the world is the feeling of being all alone as christians god has not left us to feel all alone he's put us in in the church and he's put us in local congregations where we can draw support and strength from one another and that's a great blessing and i i hope christians uh, all really appreciate God's wise design in providing that for us. But he's, uh, here he says atheists, it's, it, they're going to have to work at developing uh, a sense of belonging because it's not inherent in, in their choice to be an atheist. And let's talk about that here because he does mention that atheists can join non-religious support groups. And that they can still partake in traditions such as Christmas. Well, let me say something about Christian support groups. It needs to be much more than just the social, traditional things like Christmas. Our support is on a spiritual plane. That's where the the real power of this. Even atheists can get social support groups. We have a religious, a spiritual I think that's support a good observation. group. Yeah. yeah, and we need to make sure that our relationships are on that level, not just, hey, we like to play golf together or we enjoy shopping together. We're on a different plane than the rest of the world. I think that's right, yeah. that the relationships that Christians enjoy is different than the people who are members of the country club. Right. Uh, yeah. Anybody uh, can do that. Yeah. Oh, if you've got enough money to join well, the country. Sure, I can't do that. You, you buy your way in. You might be able to. I can't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, th- I do think it's interesting. He's being really straightforward with us here and expressing uh, what I think is really a problem. That is, no, no. like he said, you can join groups. You can, An atheist can join line religious groups. But like you point out, Jacob, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as being a part of the family of God. Right. That's at a higher, much higher plane. Yeah. Good, good point. All right. Number five, he says, 
uh, a, a disadvantage of atheism is that what he calls condemnation. Religious groups sometimes openly condemn atheists for their beliefs, including blaming atheism for wrongs and lacking morality. Wait just a minute. I thought he said that they weren't, uh, so they didn't have any dogmas or rules or morals that they had to follow? Or maybe those antiquated ones. Well, he says, uh, well, yeah, I'm not sure. He, he may be having a problem with consistency here. But actually, again, I think he's right. Atheists stand condemned, and they should be condemned because in history, atheists have caused all kinds of death, destruction, and mayhem. Communism, atheistic communism, as an example, in China, the, the greatest mass murderer of all human history, Mao Zedong in, in communist China, who by some estimates may have killed more than 60 million Chinese citizens in, in the Cultural Revolution in China. That wasn't that long ago. But, you know, so... Yeah, atheism manifested in communism certainly has is to be condemned and blamed. Stalin in communist Russia, atheistic communist Russia, is estimated to have killed 25 million, maybe more. Hitler in Nazi Germany, again, pursuing an atheist agenda, killed over 20 million people. So, you know, he's, he's bemoaning the fact that atheists often have to put up with condemnation. Atheism deserves to be condemned. It has borne evil fruit everywhere it has been manifested. He said, furthermore, without fear of punishment, especially eternal punishment from a higher power, more atheists are even more freely able to explore their choices in life. That's what he said was one of the advantages of atheism, point number three. They're able to explore their choices in life without fear of punishment. That sounds to me like you're going to be doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. And you can do them without being fearing punishment. So there should be some condemnation for doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, uh, every good tree, this is Matthew seven seventeen. every good, verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. That concept, by their fruits ye shall know them. Well, what are the fruits of atheism? It's It's horrible. The fruits of atheism are horrible, and I think that they rightly stand to be condemned. You know, one of the things that we try to get people to do in, in making their choices in life is see the end from the beginning. What does this lead to? What are the consequences? If I make these choices, if I go this direction, where does that take me? Well, if you apply that sort of reasoning to atheism, it takes you always in a bad direction, never in a good one. All right. All right. Um, <clears throat> well, I think we're to the last point. All right. His last point, 
righteousness. And actually what he means is self-righteousness. One of the downsides to being an atheist is that you are very susceptible to being self-righteous. He says some atheists are known to arrogantly point out flaws in religion and religious morality, thus giving atheism a bad reputation of, he says, righteousness. I would say self-righteousness and attempting conversion that they abhor from religion. I thought that was interesting. He, He says atheists are guilty of attempting to convert people. They they abhor that when they see it in religion, but he says they're actually guilty of doing that themselves. Well, um, and how can they point out flaws in religions and religious morality if there are no absolute standards? Who gets to say that there's a flaw in that? That's a pretty good point. So if we are free... Notice when he was talking about the advantages, we're free to reevaluate and change our beliefs and moralities. Yeah, and we, why, well, well, if they're free to do that, why am I not free to do that? And they can explore their choices in life. Well, what? Why is there a double standard there? Yeah, why? Why do they arrogantly point out flaws in religion and religious morality? If that's your morality, if that's your choice, why would they? Why would they attack you? They're not being consistent. They're not. And so, but I think his point is correct. There's a sort of self-righteous arrogance that's associated with atheists. Uh, And and they really think that they have, you know, figured everything out when the truth of the matter is they haven't got any answers right. And I think we've sort of seen that in our our discussion tonight. Atheists are getting it wrong on all counts. You know, and that arrogance, I think, is what we're seeing in our society today. We've become really proud about how much we know about our standards and our our position in life. It's a lot about what Romans chapter 1 says about the folks that profess themselves to be wise that became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. These folks have gotten lifted up in their pride, many of them. Uh, they're will, unwilling to accept that there is a creator who is greater and mightier and more wise than they are, who has the right to say how they live their lives. Lots of pride associated with this many times. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, I think we covered this. Again, I, 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 we got to restate, uh, Jacob, that when we put the title out there, uh, Pros and Cons of Atheism, that's not our title. That That's Phil for Humanity. Who's who's talking about pros and cons of atheism? We don't think there are any pros. There's no upside. There's no advantage to atheism. It's all a downside. Brian says, and there is nothing new under heaven. Christians can be satisfied, grateful, and humbled in coming to the only true and living God. Atheists are ever seeking for the elusive peace found only in Scripture. We can have a clear conscience. They void conscience as the alternative. Uh, I think that's right. Excellent point. Good point, Brian. Yeah. It, the, the religion answers the questions that men are asking. Yeah. There now there are consequences for answering the question that there is a God. If there is a God, you've got to submit to Him. There's consequences for that, but it answers the questions that you have, and it is the only way to have a fulfilled life and to have the best life after this life is over. I think that's right. All right, Kyle. Final thoughts from you tonight. It got me. Have you? You haven't been sold on the idea of atheism. I hope. No, no. Okay, it's you've been quiet a, over there. Yeah, I wondered. Maybe it's a good. Uh, it's a okay. good study. Yeah, it's. Yeah, we don't want you to. We don't want you to to fall victim to that 
flawed reasoning about pros of atheism. There's I no saw pros. Kyle over there no doing pros, this. Kyle. He was sort of. Uh, no, 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 no. I think it's. Okay. Yeah, I think it's perceived pros, and yeah, there are cons, and it's yeah, perceptions of positively thing. But no, that's yeah. yeah. Well, Kyle, thanks for getting us out there good. tonight. Glad that you're here. Thanks for your time tonight, Dad. Good to thanks, meet you. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, thanks for joining us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. If you've got questions about what we've said, if you've got comments, uh, maybe you disagree with anything you ever hear on the program, questions at collegeu.com's email address to use at any time. We encourage you to make plans. We'll be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.